Hi, my name is Chris Candy, and this is the Never Not Run podcast. Or no. <laughs> or do the NNR for This is the Never Not Run podcast. I'm your host, Chris Candy. And I'm Mark Nieto. Okay, welcome back. We are at episode five. You're in for a treat today. Um, we have a, a very awesome guest. He's a friend of mine, a bass teacher, a, a bass legend from the band Fishbone, Norwood Fisher. Yeah, it was great to finally get to talk to Norwood. I mean, I've heard you talk about him so much, and he was one of the people that you first mentioned about having come on the podcast. So getting to pick his brain a little bit about running, and he just seems like such a thoughtful dude. Yeah, you're going to get like a lot of um, anecdotes. He's very philosophical and very soulful um, in, in the sense that he just he has a, a very, very bright energy to himself. And his I knew his relationship with running was so interesting. You know, I, I would go on these kind of, you know, runs over in Santa Monica and, and Norwood lives in that area. And, you know, you can't miss the guy when you see him uh, on a run. And he's just a big, tall dude. And we'd always say hi and I would give him a high five and his hand from playing bass all these years was like, it was like a, a, a like a cast iron pan hitting you in the hand. It was so strong. Um, you know, and he's, he's one of those guys who is uh, just legendary in his, his, uh, his, his, his being. And it was just awesome to be able to get him on the show today. Cause um, it, it was just so fun to hear all the stories. So you're going to get some good rock stories, some fishbone, some, some Anthony Kiedis and flea. And um, even Chuck Norris finds his way into this episode. Okay. We are back. Uh, episode four of the never not run podcast. We're on five uh, now, aren't we? I'm Chris. <laughs> oh my God. We are on five. <laughs> Man, it's we hard are, to we keep just, track once you pass two. This is the fourth guest, and and um, but this is the fifth pod. That's right. That's right. So five. Yeah, but and and again, like I keep saying it each week, but thanks to everybody who has been tuning in. Um, it, it's really great to hear everyone's feedback on the show, and we've just been getting such like a wide, um, variety of kind of like compliments and and notes on the show. I think uh, I think you know. It's working, Mark. It's working. The pod is working. <laughs> right. I mean, we're still figuring a lot out. But again, yeah, anybody that's listening, feel free to reach out. And even if you want to come on, just hit us up. We're always looking to bring on new people. So it's totally open. Absolutely. Today, um, we have uh, a really good friend of mine, a musician, uh, kind of a local L.A. legend. And and I also came through knowing him and person of athletics running. I'm really excited to get into the kind of locale of this person because I think the zone that he he chills in is, is an ideal running territory. Ladies and gentlemen, musician Norwood Fisher of Trulio Disgracious and Fishbone. How are you, Norwood? I'm, I'm happy. Thanks for having me on. Never Not Run is like an, an incredible creed to live by. I love, I love it. I love the name of your show. Thank you. Yeah, it kind of was um, an old phrase that I used to have. And I think when I was, you know, doing Chodo Ghetto, it kind of found its way into a couple songs. And, you know, running is just such like a powerful thing for for myself. And, and Mark and I kind of share that bond. 
And we just really kind of created this pod and, and the Instagram page to kind of have fun with running and also just kind of promote the like general um, ethos of activity, but be it you are like an ultra marathoner or you are just someone who goes and does like a two mile walk every day, um, really just kind of, you know, getting people to get out there and move, um, which I, I love about you, Norwood, because I, I always see you down uh, in Santa Monica. And that, that was the point I was getting at. You you, you have a place down there and I want to get into all of it, but I have been often known to like be on a run and, and see your figure coming towards me <laughs> and you're on a run of some sort. It's always, it always brings a smile to my face. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really great. I kind of wanted to just like start in, in grade school or high school. Like what was your first experience with having to run? Well, I, I don't even remember, man. Like what, you know, cause running could, because as a kid you run, that's all I like, you mm-hmm. know, you, you play games and you run. So there was lots of who's the fastest, you know, of my friends, who's the fastest on the block. You just ran. You played football. You ran. You played basketball, you know. But, you know, like, I was never the fastest. Yeah. I was just willing to do it. I was willing to just, y'all, let's race. Yeah. Run, run, you know. I made a choice to run in high school okay. when I had a PE as an elective and I could choose, you know, I, I took long, long distance running, I think, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't become a way of life out of that. You know, sure. it was just something I did, you know, to get through school. I, I don't, I don't have memories of hating it either. It just was, what high school did you go to? What high school were you at? I uh, Hamilton. Alexander oh, Hamilton. Of course. Honestly, I didn't really have a great interest in fitness itself. So, sure. you know, my path to now is, it was a long path. And when I look back, it makes sense for me to end up here somehow. You started, like, for the listeners who are kind of new to Norwood and his scene, you know, he's in a pretty prolific band, uh, you know, Fishbone started while you were in high school, right? Was was that kind of the time you guys all met? We met in junior high, like like eighth grade. I met Kendall and Chris and kind, kind of got started getting to know Walt. Ninth grade, met Angelo, you know, like eighth grade, me, Kendall and Chris and Fish started playing. Fish didn't have a drum kit, but, you know, we figured something out. And right, right. And uh ninth grade, Angelo came, and that was the year everything came together. All six of the original members would be in a room together playing music with a bunch of other people. Right, 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 right. You know, you know we just practiced until we were 17, and somebody, probably Walt, was like, We need to get a gig. <laughs> <laughs> and we started playing. A- Angelo wanted to play talent show. We played El Camino talent show. We played a talent show at Dorsey High. And we played a talent show in Compton. And our first show in a club in May of uh, 1983. What were those those early shows like? Were they pretty wild or did it take a while for you guys to kind of figure out your, your style on stage? No, man, we came in trying to stomp mud holes in the stage. Like that was, 
but but it's just because like all of like one we were all directly influenced by parliament funkadelic that was a common thread you know and, right. and a bunch of other like black radio bands like common thread but you know we we discovered a lot of music together right really because of the time when we met in that time things were evolving in popular music rapidly. Right. You know? So before we hit the stage, there was Devo mm -hmm. and not just Devo, Devo on Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. Right. The specials on Saturday Night Live, Fear on Saturday Night Live. Right. right? What a prolific time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. yeah. Yeah. You had the B-52s period. You had, you know, like, Music was evolving, Blondie, right? Like all this stuff right. was happening. The Talking Heads, you know, and David Bowie right. on Don Kirshner's rock concert. It was the Midnight Special. There was, you know, and then we go on to discover things on the on the fringes of like the New Wave Theater, right? Uh, right. That was a couple. What was that about? A couple years later, it was. Like on this, on this was a PBS, I think it was somewhere on the UHF end of the spectrum. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, right, right And it right. was like these wild punk rockers, you know, had this bizarre show, <laughs> you know, because we were into Monty Python's Flying Circus and Benny Hill. And, you know, we bonded over those things. And so, so New Wave Theater was just like, the, the it wasn't necessarily a comedy show. It was music and bizarre alternative mind frame and vignettes in between. And uh, you know, it talked a lot about gherkins. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's I that means a baby pickle to those yeah, yeah. people who don't know what a gherkin is <laughs> to the listeners today. Yeah, it sounds nasty, though, don't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Fishbun's live show is, is pretty wild. Um, even to this day, it's like a high energy show. And I'm just kind of curious, like, was there ever a time for you with like your outside exercise where you felt like you needed it to condition you for on stage or vice versa? Nah, like nah, you because, found out you- okay. We came in doing that because seeing the specials on Saturday Night Live, that performance is pivotal. They were all over the place. You know, my first three concerts ever. The, the first one was Graham Central Station. Oh, it's, it's a, I say Graham Central Station, but it was Ohio Players and Graham Central Station. Wow. Shaka Khan oh with God. Rufus. And the third show that I that, that I saw was Parliament Funkadelic at the at the at the sports arena with Cameo and Donald Bird and the Blackbirds opening. And oh my God. The mothership landed, you know? Yeah. Like, that's the third show I saw was the mothership land. Wow. And, and so, right. spectacle, and then there's the specials is like the most intense energy. And believe me, Grand Central Station was, ah, that's why I play bass. It was like melting your right. face show. And, and then seeing dance craze, and the decline of Western civilization is a double feature at the Fox Theater in Venice. Wow. Right? Like it so 
think of decline or Western civilization. What you got from that? I'm like, that's what you're supposed to do. All of that information is what we expressed from day one, hitting the stage. That's what we thought you had to do. No, I, I love that. And you guys have been able to kind of keep that going too for so long. Yeah. Did you did you guys ever have a I don't know a period where you you slowed down maybe or is has it just been basically since day one? This is believe me, I'm 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 fifty six. <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise you, I'm not doing what I did when I was twenty two. <laughs> like I might be doing a lot for a fifty six year old. <laughs> And, but the other thing is actually like, because we don't like what we got more intense as we tour too. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So the right. other part is like, like when we like we there's more time in between tours. So when when I go to, when we start a tour, I'm kind of flat footed. I dance around because I feel it. And but after five show number four or five, like I'm getting more elevated. If we do two weeks in a row, I'm a lot closer to 25, 30 year old Norwood than not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Hell yeah. I'm it, because our show was always honest too. It's not a put on. Eh, I don't feel like, yeah, ah, I just didn't feel like it. Like, you know, like I'm, it's, yeah. I'm, you get a hundred percent. It might not be the hundred percent of yesterday. Right. Right. Like, right. <laughs> not a put on. Do I remember you saying that um, we, you know, we would talk and you got in, you were doing martial arts for a little while. Is that something that you, yeah. you practiced for a long time? Yeah. So wait, let me, let me just let me say this. We, we did hood martial arts as young children. That means my neighbor actually took martial arts. <laughs> right. Right. And then he'd be like, let me show you what I learned. And he, me and my brother <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's that's very early. Like, you know, I it had to be like seven years old or something. Right. 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 But right. Right. Actually, as an adult, I took it on from, a, um, you know, and everybody came out of Bruce Lee movies thinking they knew Kung Fu. We all did. Kicking and chopping at the air. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Yeah, those movies were epic. Even like when you see some of these like running movies or these climbing movies, they have like the same impact. I think like early Bruce Lee movies did or like Jackie Chan movies. Like right. you watch some of these Netflix climbing shows and you're like, oh yeah, I can I could go do that. Right. Or, I, I can I can endure that. Yeah. They're really powerful. I mean, the visualization element, right, is so important when you're doing some of this endurance. Well, visualization is 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 key. I I had friends that thought they could get in the ring with Mike Tyson. <laughs> After watching Rocky, I like <laughs> no. Nah. Oh, but 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 so check it. Yeah, Silver, a guy named Silver Gordon, was actually me, Angelo, and Fish's martial arts teacher. Right, right. Angelo was maybe a little more reluctant. Fish was a hundred percent gung ho, and I when I took it on, I was like. I just want to learn the meditative arts. I don't think I'm going to fight one more person for the rest of my life. This is in the mid 90s, right? Right. And uh, Silver taught me what he wanted to teach me. Now, Silver was a super interesting cat. He had been a bodyguard 
for Jimi Hendrix and Buddy Miles. Wow. He had done porn. He was he <laughs> full spectrum. What yeah, one day he brings this porn magazine to to because it was we would we'd practice at our studio at Fishbone Studio, just you know, one-on-one. One day he brought this porn magazine and he opens it up and it's a young silver in the in the 70s, you know. Yeah, I was the first black guy to have sex with a with a white woman in a porno magazine. Oh my god! Wow, <laughs> breaking barriers. Uh, but he was he was he he brought one day he brought a book. It was Chuck Norris's autobiography. Right. Chuck Norris had a small chapter on Silver because Silver was Chuck Norris's teacher at one time. Really? Yeah. And uh, you know, and and he maybe trained with David Carradine too during right. the Kung Fu days. Yeah, he did some. He did his story was crazy. He's he passed away now, but Silver taught me what he wanted to teach me. Like so, at at a certain point, like he had bags of scrap metal. You got slap the metal, you know, <laughs> have these bags of scrap metal, and had me doing weapons training, and I'm like, and but it was it was good, but. And as as I was doing that, I started running. Yeah, I was a pack and a half of cigarettes a day smoker. I was a chain smoker. Wow! And if I was drinking heavily, which I did often, I'd be smoking two and a half packs. And really, getting get to me drinking, and I was like Camel filters and Marlboro Reds. Right, 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 right. Off with the filter. I needed, you know, all the nicotine I could get. Right. Right. So that's that was, you know, I and I probably started smoking in 1985 or six or something. Okay. Right. 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 Ripping them off and just so, lighting them up. At some point, Derek Brakefield, the bass player from the Untouchables that came after Kane Carruthers. Derek Brakefield was one, like one of my best friends to this day, but he was my drinking buddy. Right. Right. So we'd be, we'd be drinking out partying. We'd be, go back to his place, bottle of something in his house. Blah, 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 and, <laughs> and I pass out on his couch. I'd be, I'd be, be four in the morning. I'm out, you know, Coming close to 7 a.m., like Derek is getting up, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? He's getting up, coming through the living room, hitting the door. Oh, I'm going running. I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, I'll take a nap if I need to later, and he'd go run, you know, on two and a half, three hours of sleep. Jesus. Unbelievable. Do you know how long? Right? You know, how long was he going for? Do you know? I'm not exactly sure. I'm mad, I imagine that he was doing between four and six miles on a regular. Wow. Probably five yeah. or six, something I'd imagine. But so I that was like, I'd see him doing that. I'd be like, this motherfucker's crazy. <laughs> and, and then and then eventually he, he started asking me to run with him. I'd never get up that early to run, right? Right, right. But he would ask me to go run with him. So I go run with him. I blow out all this shit from my lungs. My lungs feel kind of clear. 
I'd be cool with that for a minute. Now I got to put it back in, right? And get to start smoking cigarettes again. And then somewhere in that same time, Flea called me up and he's like, hey, I'm starting this, starting a stud club. What's a stud club? I was just me, me and a bunch of dudes, we're going to come together and we're going to work out. Right, 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 right. Flea lived, Flea lived in Echo Park. I'm on the beach in Santa Monica. So I'm like, cool, I'm down. So we, I would drive to Flea's house. You know, it would usually be hot, a lot of traffic. And I show up late every single time. And <laughs> and uh, it'd be like me, Flea, John Fushante, uh, 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 John, D- I think it was John Denny from the Weirdos. Uh, uh, Amazing. Pete White from Thelonious Monster. Um and it was a few more people too. It's hard for me to remember everybody that was there. Right. But, but we we go there, we lift weights, work out, run. You know, we usually do 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 some stairs and some inclines in in Echo Park Hill. Oh, and those are gnarly hills. In the hills there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll never forget John Fushante uh uh telling everybody like let's run backwards. Down the hill. What? Save your knees. It's better for your knees to run backwards down the hill. So wait, how you would run backwards down a hill? Yeah. I can't even visualize yeah. that. That's amazing. Yeah. So so those two guys really gave me running. Well, because Flea, I see like on on his like socials, he's like pretty avid runner these days. It seems like he's up in Malibu. You know, doing oh, yeah. some big loops and and uh, he seems to still be every, into it. And I always make every, go ahead. Every now and again, he'll come. He'll invite me to go do some trails with him. Go run. He kicks my ass. I'm still not the winning guy. He kicks my ass severely. But you still show up. <laughs> you you still show up. That's kind of. Yeah, I don't mind getting my ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> I take ass kicking. Shit, I'm in the game. Yeah. But those guys, those guys gave me running. Right. Right. And and in 97, I think, I realized now that my I think I thought my timeline was impeccable in my head. I know it's not now. Sure. Cause but <laughs> but I think in 97 I quit smoking cigarettes. That's a whole nother story. But that's a long story. I quit smoking cigarettes. And it was, and maybe this will help somebody. A friend of mine, Overton Lloyd, drops for George Clinton, the dude that drew Cerno's Devoid of Funk. Wow. Overton, Overton Lloyd once, he was, he was getting at me on a philosophical level. What's your complaint? What do you complain about? And I'm like, I don't complain about that. And I'm like, I'm not a complainer. He's like, ah, you got to complain about something. Right, right. He kept Prodding, prodding, prodding. Um, he said, what about the environment? Oh, yeah, fuck, this is, this is in probably the earlier 90s. Right, right, right. And he, he's like, I was like, yeah, the fucking environment. At the time, it was a thing about McDonald's and uh, 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 the styrofoam containers. They cutting down the, the rainforest in the Amazon for the, the, what to make these styrofoam containers for Big Mac. I went off about that shit. And he looked at me and he said, whatever you complain about, 
is something that you're mad about within yourself. Wow. Interesting. And he, and he looked, he, he, when I complained about the rainforest, he said, what about the rainforest in your lungs? Oh my God. Wow. Right. So that stayed with me. So when I quit smoking cigarettes, I started to run and the visualization in my head was, I want to get my lungs back to pink to reforest the rainforest in my lungs. Man, that is beautiful. That's right. That's unbelievable. So that was my motivation. And Derek Brakefield would come down here and he'd, he'd run in the sand with me. That was like the first place that I ran in the, in the, in the wet sand. So we were run. I, I had no idea about distances. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, how far is a mile? <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh, it's probably like four lifeguard stations. <laughs> I love that. I, yeah, I remember there was always that old kind of like rumor that like four city blocks was an equivalent of like one mile. <laughs> I was like, I ran, I was like, oh, good. And it was a perfect thing for me because I was running and running and running and think I was putting in miles, right? And then one day I looked and I saw what a mile really was. I was like, I want to run a mile. <laughs> You know, after running however many life, I ran more than four lifeguard stations. But I don't know how many I was doing. and But once I saw what a mile was, I want to run a mile. Mm-hmm. So I figured that out. And, and, and I just started running further and further and further and further. At some point, and one thing Derek told me, because he, he's a running motherfucker. Derek He's like, one day you may find your body operating like a fine-tuned machine, and, and you might fall in love with that feeling. And, and it didn't take a long time for me to get there. I'm running on the beach. My, I'm, my focus is out past the marina somewhere. I don't know where that was at this point. It was Doc Weiler, maybe, yeah. Running, and... and 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 I'm like, and I felt it happen. And when it happened, I went, oh, this is a moving meditation. And I didn't know that term. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But it happened and I connected to it and I was addicted. Just like us. Yeah. I find it interesting too to your approach with bass where you were kind of just like, you know, you didn't have any kind of formal training. I think I remember you telling me and. Then you eventually discovered the training and it's kind of similar to your running experience. Like, as we were talking earlier in the show, it's this, like, I just ran. And then later in life, like you didn't even know what a mile was, you know? And, and I love, <laughs> I think that that, you know, and then you dove in, you want to see how far you can go. Yeah. Did you ever get competitive with it? Were you ever entering races or? No. Flea asked me to run the L.A. Marathon with him. And I was like, yeah, after he kicked my ass on an 11-mile run, right? <laughs> Pulled my ass out. And then, and then he was like, ah, run the L.A. Marathon with me. I'm like, cool. But unfortunately, I got a staph infection leading up oh, to it. 
Oh, and no. couldn't run a marathon. But I was like, as as I started running, this is the other thing. In 1986, we did the Best of the West tour, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Fishbone, Thelonious Monster, right? Right. And I believe we were in Atlanta playing the Metroplex. And Flea and Anthony came into the building for sound check. Fishbone was sound checking. We were on stage. And I and they came in talking to each other. One of them asked the other, how many, how many sit-ups did you do today? Oh, I did a thousand. Oh, I did a thousand too. And that stuck with me. <laughs> right. So as I'm turning 40, you know, I'm I'm now I'm working out. The week that I turned 40, I was like, thought about that moment. And I'm like, damn, I ain't did a thousand, nothing in my life. I want to do a thousand push-ups and a thousand sit-ups for my 40th birthday. Amazing. Like I got seven days or so, right, to get there. Mm-hmm. And I just started because Silvertoe at one day said, you want to know how to do a hundred push-ups? I'm like, yeah. He's like, do a hundred push-ups. Which was brilliant. Yeah, which was brilliant. He's like, whatever the fuck it takes. Get down if you got to do them three at a time, you know? Right. Do, Absolutely. You know, so I, I had that in me. I knew I, I could do 100 push-ups, you know? I, I, I was probably doing more than that at that time. But I was like, I'm a, I'm a work up. And I, you know, by 10, 10, do 100 push-ups, right? And and work out 100 sit-ups. And on my 40th birthday, I, I did it. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. So you you did on your birthday, you did one thousand push-ups and one thousand sit-ups. Oh yeah, absolutely. A, and I was doing jumping jacks too. Holy shit! <laughs> that was in one full one day. You were able to accomplish all of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not even a problem at that. Like by the time I got there, it wasn't nothing to it. I do a hundred at a time. Right, 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 right. Ten sets of a hundred. You know, was what I was doing. I, and I might start off doing doing 50 or do 30, 20, 30, 20, 50, you know, and then hundreds or whatever. I, I, and I was doing I was doing jumping jacks, too, because I was afraid to hurt myself. Right. So I warm up with jumping jacks and then I start getting like and I do jumping jacks in between some of them. If I got to 500, I'd maybe do. Some a bunch of five hundred jumping jacks or something, and and then I go run. So so where are you at then with, with all of this? Like like I said to the, in the beginning of the show too. It's like you know I've I've come up on Norwood many times. He he lives in this like really one of my favorite parts of L.A., which is um, you know right close to the Santa Monica Pier in that zone. Um, and uh, you're also in front of like a really awesome like that's where the old Muscle Beach used to be. Um, it it was right in and near where your place is. And I'll always see you coming from a run or heading out on one. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, not, uh, uncommon to see you. So are you like at the moment training for anything in regards to like, it doesn't necessarily need to be a race, but like, what's your kind of life? life, Cause you have a life, like, like when I stopped smoking cigarettes, I was like, oh, this is my coffee. I mean, I, wasn't, I stopped drinking coffee in my early 20s, right? right? I just didn't like how it made me feel. But 
the workout, the run, you see the surfboards back there, all of that. Like, that's just me, like, embracing life. Yeah. And when I, when I stopped drinking, my resolve, like, because I didn't stop really drinking 100% until 2006. That's the last time I had a drink. Right. So my resolve was, if life is painful, then let me feel the fucking pain. And and I would that's how I go at life. And this is my way of showing my appreciation for life. Yeah, of course. And for for my brain chemistry, I learned to love, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't want to fuck that up. And running enhances that. And you know, there's the runner's high. And if I don't if I don't run for too long, I get the little runner's depression. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so it's it's uh, but but yeah, it just becomes my way of life, and my thought process is a hundred percent right now. Is like, you know, we could we could run, do all this shit. It don't, it may not guarantee us one extra day on this planet. We don't know when our time is, but you know what I mean. Like, it don't guarantee a damn thing, but the quality of the ride. It may. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like that one, you can probably affect the quality of the ride. If I make it to 90, I'll have a lot less chance of having to be under the knife a whole bunch. Yep, yep. Possibly avoid some erectile dysfunction. (laughs) You know, like ain't no guarantees, but you know, it may be you up the chances, you know? Uh, That's all. You you have a shirt that says um, being a human being is a full time job. Is that what the, is that the, being being human is a full time job? I love that. Well, what's kind of the? I mean, I I think a lot of the stuff we're talking about is connected to that, but it seems very connected to what we've been talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. That's 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 just a, a phrase at, at where I was just feeling, you know, compassion. And empathy, you know, yeah, the, the struggle of humanity, the human condition, right? Because I started when when somebody asked me, "Hey, how you doing?" Like my answer more times than not is, "I'm happy." If happiness is a choice, I'm choosing it, right? Right. But that doesn't mean that my life is easy. You know, it doesn't mean it's without difficulty. It doesn't mean it's without struggle. I might choose not to perceive the struggle as debilitating or is it is simply just another hump to get over. Right. 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 You know, it's not like I'm not taking it personal, but for those that do being human is a full-time job. I love it. It's, 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 <laughs> You know, we got to get the bumper sticker, the NNR uh, Norwood Fisher bumper sticker going on that one because it's oh, it, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it, yeah. It's true, though. It's, um, it, it, you know, I think with running, it's this like Mark and I often say it's like a, you know, it's a, a marathon is a great teacher. And, and in running, there's all of this um, kind of mirroring effect onto yourself that happens because, you know, a lot of these things you can't do. You can't go out on these long runs you know, if your body's a wreck or, 
uh, whatnot. And like, I've come to find too, with learning, it's like unbelievably therapeutic. Like it's the perfect medicine for anxiety or stress. You know, I know for me that it, it, it really soothes those kinds of, uh, vibrations in the brain. And, 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 um, you know, I think a lot of the stuff you're speaking to for me just like resonates so true. And when I saw that slogan from you, I was like there, you know, cause there are those moments in life where you're just like, what the fuck is going to happen next? you know, right. like, you know, right. what, what is, right the, yeah, like right now. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> oh God. Oh, you know, you know, and yeah, like, like, honestly, when I, when, like, like when you run, don't do you like, like I do this thing where I start running and I, like, I listen to music sometimes, not all the time, more lately because I'm producing a lot of projects. And, yeah. And I listen to what I'm working on as I run mostly, but, or things for inspiration if I'm in a writing zone, but I may try to make a practice of running with no music. And recently I started listening to uh, uh, audio books. What are you listening to? Right? It's a book called What Happened to You. And it's, 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 uh, uh, you know, it's, it's about trauma. It's about personal and it's about working through trauma. Interesting. Right. And, and so it's coming from the premise of changing the way that people approach working with traumatic people of all levels as what's wrong with you to flip the question to what happened to you. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking through my own shit right now in that way that's great you know we all we all have that and I, I think that that's like one of the things that even mark and i like in doing this pod it's interesting to hear how everyone's got so many different perspectives um with really i think it's it's running but it's also movement right it's exercise in general yeah it seems like something that's a common through line too with people that are into into running and especially into the longer distances it seems like you do have to get comfortable being in your head for a long time, right? Because no matter no matter what, at some point, I think the music's gonna stop. Like you're gonna, you're just your ears are gonna tire. You're gonna want to stop listening to things. And when you start just listening to yourself and getting in your head, I mean, you can really, you gotta, you have time to listen to what what's going on and to try to work through some of that stuff, like you said, Norwood. So yeah, I think that's something that that I feel like I share, and I think yeah, a lot of people that I talk to share. Yeah, I, I would. So so like I get to running, no music and I'm I'm working out my problems and making mm -hmm. plans. And what do I have to do today? And by the time I get back, I don't forgot. I don't <laughs> <laughs> but I worked it out. <laughs> but, right. But 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 there is there is a beauty to going through it all, you know, and maybe you will reconnect to some of it. Right. You know. But but like I and unfortunately, like I'm not out there taking notes like, oh, good. Or talking into my phone or watch like note to self, you know, <laughs> but I just I just keep running. But mm -hmm. but uh, but yeah, it is 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 it, it any anything, anytime you you have an opportunity to go inside and face yourself, you know. And and I I really am grateful to have found this path because it it works, and and we live in Los Angeles, right? Like there's great right. 
like physical beauty throughout the city. Oh yeah. Right. You choose your path and you could see vistas and valleys and any all manner of, you know, you, 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 you head East and there's mountains that way and you head West and there's a horizon. And so it's, it's a great city to do it. And if you run trails, which I don't do a lot, like, but I, I actually love running trails. I had a, a, a guy that was running with me and Flea come be like, running trails forces you to be present. Mm. Like you have to be present at some point, every step you take, you got to watch where you're going and that forces you into a presence. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's, it's also one of those things too, where if you're on a trail, like you, you, you have to be in that moment because you could be out there for a while, you know, if something went wrong, you know, you could be out there. So you, you, it's not like you're on a city street where if you get dehydrated, you can dip into a seven 11 and and get an electrolyte. You know, if, if, if you're on a trail, you know, I remember going on a run, when I, when I was getting ready to train for the Death Valley half, um, I started running in Santa Monica Mountains, and it was the first time I had to run with like the like water jugs on your body, you know, like you're running with like the little reserves, the reservoirs. And I picked the worst day ever to go on this run. It was like 92 degrees outside. You know, I, I, I'm running, and I get outside of the kind of canopy of the trees, and I'm up running incline, and I am gassed like i'm dead and it's the first time i realized i'm like looking at my water and i'm going like you need to actually go back now because you only have enough water to get you back to your car (laughs) and even when i got there i drove so fast to the nearest store to get like electrolytes yeah and 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 it's so true you can you know you you hear those stories one other side note too the three of us are like some of my, you know, at least you two, I, I know that you all love LA so much, you know, like there's just this, like, uh, I, I oh, feel yeah. like there's like a appreciation for this city. Um, at, at least the zone that it is, is just like you said, Norwood is like unbelievably beautiful. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I remember like you hear those stories of people going out and they get stuck in the mountains, you know, they don't have enough water. I mean, that's happened to me. I mean, I don't know if there's even time to get into that story. Maybe we'll save it for another episode. But yeah, I mean, my friends and I got stuck on a mountain in the San Gabriels overnight in December. And, you know, we were idiotic making a bunch of stupid decisions. But that that aspect, that part of nature is right there. I mean, it's like you said, Norwood, the mountains are right there. You can access them. And it is it's it's real out there. You know, you're not in the city anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what the beauty I just in in a fitness thing, right? Like because I surf, I snowboard, my perfect day is down patrol in the water, drive up to the top of a mountain, be on a snowboard, bombing a mountain by noon. <laughs> right? And it's... and I got an opportunity to do that once. I did it. I and it was because Paul Hampton of the Skeletons has a, a, a celebrity snowboard competition that he does uh, on a yearly basis at Mountain High. And he invited me. And I don't think I was in the competition, but I performed the band's play. And so I woke up 
down patrol in the water, 6 a.m. or so, got out, cleaned up, packed up my snowboard, drove to Mountain High, played, and then got on a snowboard and bombed them out. <laughs> I love that. Perfect. Southern Perfect. California dream. Well, Norwood, we're getting towards the end of the show. Um, but, you know, I, I highly recommend uh, if you're in the Santa Monica area near the pier and, uh, you know, you spot Norwood, uh, you know, maybe drop a high if uh, it's not unwelcomed, man. But um, you're definitely a, you're, you're definitely a staple figure for me when I'm, I'm in that zone. And I love bumping into you when I do. Yeah, I love seeing you, brethren. I like and we didn't even talk about stairs. Maybe I got to come back. Yeah, we um, you you briefly mentioned it earlier too. We always kind of like to end it on people people's runners high, and so you brought it up. But I was wondering if you would could pinpoint exactly what runners high means for you. It is a moment where it's, it's like what Derek Brakefield said. Like I I become profoundly present to my body moving like a fine tuned machine, yet. My consciousness is focused beyond where I'm headed. Like it, it is almost like a connection to something beyond the physical. And my physical is just it just moving is on automatic pilot. There, there's I have those experiences with music, right? And and it's that's about the best that I could describe it. Um there's, there's a book called The Rise of the Superman, which gets into extreme sports and the near-death experience. And some of the things they describe in that, I relate to. Right. Without ha- I'm not having the near-death experience. It's just, it, it is an esoteric, I'm, my feeling is, is there's an esoteric beyond the physical, but it is so physical. Right. You, you are running. <laughs> You're not in a monastery, you know, <laughs> chanting with monks. You are moving. And I chase that feeling. We all do. I love it. That was great, Norwood. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. It, it's, it's really a treat, man. Always getting to talk to you, dude. It's um, you're just uh, forever an inspiration and, and always like a positive light when I when I see anywhere, be it at line at the DMV in Santa Monica or, or <laughs> out on the bike path when I'm on a, on a 16 mile training run and I just get to talk to you for a little bit. So I, I just want to say, I, I love and appreciate you, man. And uh, it was just great having you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I love you, my brother. We, this is, yeah. And I'll be happy to come back and cause there's, you know, this is the, the experience will not cease to be profound. Oh, yeah, because there was there was one other thing where, where I was on tour and there's this Native American guy just came over and started talking to him. We played an early show at a festival and we're all out, this is Fishbone, all out to eat at a diner of some sort. Native American guy just came over and started talking. He was in his 80s, standing straight up, looked, looked amazing. You would have thought he was in his 60s or something. Right. 50s, maybe. And he started talking about his journey in World War II. And and then as a coach in running in high school and college. And I'm just looking at this dude going, if that was if, if running 
makes me stand like that. When I'm in my 80s, I'm going to be like this dude. Hell yeah. (laughs) We all do. Well, Norwood, thank you so much, man. Thank you. There's so much we've taken from this conversation. So yeah, I would love to have you back on uh, anytime. Right on. Yeah, we'll talk later. (laughs) (laughs) Norwood, have a great rest of your day, man. Take care. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Love you both. Take care. Bye. Bye. See you, Norwood. Thank you.